Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I don't know how many votes it's going to take. I don't know how many votes people wanted. But finding the Speaker of the House clearly is not as easy as I thought. Nor is opposing somebody as Speaker of the House. Because I thought it would involve, you know, a plan. Some level of smart uh, conversation, trying to convince members, hey, maybe there's another direction we can go. And that doesn't seem to be it either. And while I don't worry about the left screaming that the right looks ridiculous and the right is in chaos and the Republicans isn't, I don't pay any attention to that at all. But now we're seeing some weird levels of infighting. Now we're seeing something that I don't know what to think about. Maybe in the end it's a good thing, it's a fine thing. I don't mind if they all don't like each other. I don't mind if there's a fight. What I mind is that I get done what I need to get done. But if Kevin McCarthy becomes speaker, exactly how weak of a speaker is he going to be? Exactly how much power does someone like Representative Matt Gates now wield? I mean, even if, if McCarthy becomes the guy, are we done? If McCarthy isn't the guy, are we done? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Larry Bouchon joins us right now. Representative Bouchon of the Indiana 8th District, a medical doctor in his own right. And he has had the front row seat. To what it is we've all been witnessing, sir, I, I, I must tell you uh, that these these uh, votes have really, really helped my day drinking. It's been it's been just fantastic. Uh, but you've had the front row seat. It's been two days where as we're talking, it's before the third uh, day of voting has taken place. What's your take on the last two days? Well, first of all, let me just say this. Uh, uh, thanks for having me on. I mean, Kevin McCarthy is the right person to be elected speaker for House Republicans. Over 200 uh, House Republicans uh, say so. Uh, you know, he got he also won the vote in the caucus meeting. And generally that, you know, you pick your candidate, you have the debate and the caucus. He won that. That said, you know, it's been a healthy process up, you know, up to a point. I mean, there are some rule changes that people have suggested, which Kevin solicited from everyone, including myself. And, you know, but up to a point. I mean, the rule changes are good because they're going to empower the rank and file members. But, you know, now it's time to get down to business. I mean, we need to vote for a speaker. That should be Kevin. That's who House Republicans want. That's who President Trump wants. That's who Newt Gingrich wants. A plethora of others think is the right leader. Because here's the thing. We're not doing anything to pass bills to secure the border. We're not doing anything to pass bills to control spending. We're not doing any oversight of the Biden administration and all the crazy things that they've been doing. So right now, Tony, it's time to get back to work. I mean, we've had a process here. We need to get we need to vote for Kevin for speaker and, and get moving. And, now, and that's what the country wants. That's what the my constituents want. And to your point that you made in your opening, there's no alternative they're not offering a viable alternative that can get 218 votes uh but and and you know we we have to uh, make sure that our leadership is accountable to the membership but also they have to be leaders they have to have the ability to lead 
So uh, that's where I am, Tony. But you, you've seen what it is that Kevin McCarthy has given up and what he's made concessions on. Uh, as was reported, McCarthy gave up on the idea of the number of members to vacate. The GOP leader, as is written over there at redstate.com, acquiesced to a demand to lower the threshold needed to force a vote, ousting a speaker to just one member. So now you could have every day of Representative Matt Gates or Representative Lauren Boebert saying time to get rid of Kevin McCarthy because he sneezed the wrong way. How does McCarthy engage as speaker? How does he engage as a leader when he's under this level of threat now? Well, the, first of all, you know, Pelosi changed the threshold for removing the speaker, saying there had to be a, a leadership person to call for the for the vote. Prior to that, it always was one member could ask for a privilege resolution to remove the speaker. So it's going back to uh, to historical uh, norm. And Kevin McCarthy and any other speaker is not really worried about that because then you have to have a floor vote and you have to get the, the majority to vote to remove the speaker, which won't happen. But, you know, the, that's the thing. Some of these people, like uh, the people that you've mentioned, uh, just have unreasonable expectations. It's like a football team, you know. It, it, the coach calls a play, and, you know, uh, nine of the 11 people on the field want to do the play, and two other people say, nope, I'm doing a different play. And, it, you know, that's not the way it works. And, you know, you elect, you elect leadership. You don't always agree with them, which I don't agree with our leadership historically over the years on a number of issues. But you fight those fights behind closed doors. But when you come to the floor, you're united. And, you know, I don't think that some of the members you mentioned uh, kind of get that. They they don't understand, I don't think, what leadership means. And they don't understand how to follow leadership once they've had their say. Talking to Congressman Larry Bouchon of the 8th District of Indiana, Southwest part of indiana we're talking about evansville and all around the people we're talking about i've mentioned representative gates i've met re- mentioned representative lauren bobert of, of colorado it was representative dan crenshaw of texas who on uh, guy benson's radio show referred to the people uh, who disagree who are keeping kevin mccarthy from being speaker as terrorists his words not mine is he right or is he wrong Well, I avoid name-calling. I don't think it's uh, productive, but Dan, you know, uh, is a great member of Congress. He's fought for his country and nearly died for his country. You know, he has a viewpoint, and uh, I understand that. I generally don't uh, get into name-calling for anyone, whether it's members or others. But the reality is, if you look what they're trying to do, they really are kind of holding the rest of House Republicans, honestly, hostage uh, with a few members uh, and making demands that honestly cannot be met. So make of that what you will. I mean, that's some that kind of talk is when people get into, my gosh, uh, the Republican Party is in disarray. It, it, it is chaos. I never worry about how this process plays out in terms of having multiple votes. Let the world see what a democracy, what a republic uh, actually does. But what we're getting into now, you, you, people trying to defend themselves, uh, you know, while they're on on TV and this conversation from Gates, uh, from, from Boebert and, and uh, Dan Bishop, there was a quote 
wrote that damn Bishop was going to, if if uh, um, McCarthy won, he was going to resign. Bishop is now saying that's absolutely not true. There's been a lot of hysteria. Let's argue that today is the day and McCarthy becomes speaker. How quickly does this calm down and how does it calm down? I think it calms down pretty quickly, Tony. I think, you know, here's the thing about why we're Republican, why I'm a, I'm a Republican, because I believe in the individual. I believe in the individual rights of people to make decisions about their life and the way to live their lives. So, you know, compared to the Democrats, you know, they have more of a collectivist view of the world and of the way they run uh, their business in the, ho- in the House. So, you know, I think it's a healthy thing to have a healthy debate. When the debate starts to get to a point where people can't take a win and they can't say, okay, we agree, we've, we've, we're where we need to fish or cut bait here, and they don't know what, you know, what a winning is, then it becomes a problem and it's dysfunctional. But I, I do think you know, the individualism and each individual member having a voice is important. Um, but it, we're at the point now where, look, that's happened. Kevin McCarthy has been negotiating with these people for months. And they just keep raising the bar every time. And so, you know, the rest of us, the over 200 of us who support Kevin for speaker, you know, there's some point where we also say, look, if they put up somebody and if Kevin were to withdraw, we may not, we're we're probably, they're not going to get 218 votes. So, uh, you know, I I think, you know, the Democrats want to make it, oh, there's chaos in the Republican Party and all that. I disagree. I think it's a healthy discussion. Everybody has a voice. I want my constituents to have a, a voice. Um, and so I don't think that's bad. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Churchill is that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all the others. You know, democracy is sometimes messy. It's sometimes like this. But the reality is it's the best form of government. It's representatives of the people. The individual people have a voice. And I think at the end of the day, this is going to be a healthy process if, Uh, my colleagues uh, can take yes for an answer. You're not going to get me to disagree that this is uh, better than what the communists have to offer. It's hard to try and convince me on the idea that it's healthy when you're in somewhat agreement with Congressman Dan Crenshaw that the party's being held hostage by Matt Gaetz and Lauren Boebert. That's not particularly, in my view, the healthiest thing out there. But but he, he... the moving forward, because one way or another, things are going to move forward. As you know it, sir, is there anything that gets Kevin McCarthy, Representative McCarthy, to say, you know what? I'm never going to get the vote. I'm just holding this thing up. I got to walk away. Anything? Yeah, at this point, I would say no. And the reason is, Tony, is because these, the people that are holding Kevin up are going to hold everybody up unless you acquiesce to, to a person that they want. And Honestly, a person that they may want won't get 218 votes because the rest of us will not support them for speaker. So, you know, say, for example, Kevin decides to step aside and Steve Scalise, uh, a great member of Congress, the current majority leader, steps forward. I'm not sure they'd support Steve. You know, I mean, I don't know who they would support. And so, uh, no, I don't think think so. I think we're going to get to a resolution. Uh, it's been difficult, but, you know, I also, also read a lot of history, Tony, and uh, your listeners should go back and just read some of the debate they had when they were putting together the U.S. Constitution, the founding fathers, right? The debate was aggressive. The ba- debate got messy. But at the end of the day, 
they put together probably the greatest governing document in the history of the earth. So I'm confident. I think uh, America always is, has these debates. Sometimes it gets uh, nasty. I don't engage in name calling, um, but uh, I'm confident that we'll get there. Let me uh, take this the other way re- really quick. Um, the people who have been in opposition, and, and I should ask if you would be somebody who opposes uh, the idea of uh, uh, Byron Donalds as uh, Speaker of the House as he got nominated yesterday and got uh, 20 uh, votes. I have put out that if there's a consensus candidate needed, uh, your uh, compatriot, uh, Congressman Jim Banks, might be the right uh, solution, somebody that everybody can get behind. Are we going to see if McCarthy is speaker? Is there going to be retribution uh, regarding Gates and Boebert and the rest of this 20 who who are holdouts? Uh, and Victoria Sparks, Representative Sparks, uh, again, uh, part of the Indiana delegation, voting present now instead of, of voting for uh, Kevin McCarthy. Should we expect that they will lose committees or have some other punishment? No, I don't think so. I think that, you know, uh, the larger conference decides that. And we have a steering committee of members that includes the leadership and about 35 other members. And I'm on that steering committee. And I think you will find is that, you know, as long as it's a healthy debate, as long as you're honest about uh, your goals, um, then no, there, there will not be any retribution against some of these members. Now, I would argue that their ability to be successful in Congress themselves is it will be hampered by this, but not because of retribution from House Republicans or from the leadership. It's just they will develop uh, a view amongst everyone that uh, their word isn't good. Believe it or not, in Congress, your word is really important. And I know some people, when I mention that, laugh about that, but that's very true. Whether you can be trusted, whether your word is good is really important. And I think some of them are ruining that for themselves. But I, and, and so I don't think there's going to be any reason that there would be retribution. But when they try to convince their colleagues that they should move to uh, a, a certain committee and they try to convince the steering committee, you know, one of the things that people look at is whether or not your word is good and whether you can be trusted to do the right, uh, the right, right thing um, as far as being honest goes, right? No one has a different a problem with a difference of opinion. But when you have a difference of opinion and you're not honest about it, that's where the trouble comes. So uh, I, I think we'll get over this pretty quickly. You know, there will be some members who have some animosity towards some of these members. Um, but, um, uh, you know, it, it, we are getting to the point where it's not a healthy process and we need to move on. And so we need to elect a speaker, and that's going to be Kevin McCarthy, um, and move on. Congressman Larry Bouchon, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, This conversation taking place before the votes took place. I wanted to get with you. I'm glad you had the time to do it, sir. I appreciate you being with us. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Pete Buttigieg utilizing military aircraft to fly his family around. Headed out to uh, Rotterdam for the Invictus Games. Admittedly, for anything you want to say about Prince Harry, this idea of the Invictus Games, well done and well played and well uh, put together. That's before, obviously, he lost his mind. What was the latest? The latest, you know, Harry had that uh, Halloween costume and he went as a Nazi. He 
puts on puts on a Nazi uniform and is like, ah, happy Halloween. That should have let you know there was something wrong. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Um, well, his claim is that uh, Prince William and uh, Princess Kate, they thought it was hilarious. Well, then they've got terrible taste. What? The, why, why would you listen to them? They thought it was funny, so therefore it was uh, good to go. You were like, oh, as long as William's okay with it, I'll wear the Nazi uniform. That See, when he was okay with it, you should have been like, wow, he's, he's going to be king, huh? See, that would have been reason to go. Now you're utilizing it as, well, it was okay that I wear it because uh, William thought it was funny. The, the more he talks, the more he comes off like a total, total D-you-know-what. I think that's all I'm allowed to say. I don't know what the rules are on that. I got to find out. Anyway, uh, Pete Buttigieg heads over to the Invictus Games, which, you know, Prince Harry had a, had a lot to, to do with. Uh, give him the respect where it's deserved. I mean, he he uh, he's the guy who founded the thing. Wounded, injured, and sick servicemen and service women. I mean, it's it's very cool. Um, he goes. Uh, Sec- Transportation Secretary Buttigieg goes with his husband Chaston. But he's taking a military flight, and this isn't the first time he's done it. Eighteen occasions that we know of since the beginning of his tenure. He's taking uh, government private jets, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, to, to all these kinds of places. He doesn't go commercial. He doesn't carpool. The best was he was all about riding your bike to work. You got to ride your bike to work. And, and he's, uh, you know, having it driven to a spot. And then they're pulling the bike out of the back. So then he can ride like the last mile. Oh, he's really, he's really committed. I said at the beginning that he's smarmy, and he is. He's proven it every single day. He's a smarmy, smarmy dude. Always has been. When he was mayor, he came off smarmy. When he was a presidential candidate, he came off smarmy. As transportation secretary, and it's the only word that I've got, smarmy. He might be nice to his friends. He might be a doting father for all I know. I'm talking about his public persona, smarmy. I'm assuming this is what happens after you spend an hour in McKinsey. Smarmy dude. Untrustworthy dude. Oh, and in over his head. Has no idea how to be transportation secretary. The the issues with Southwest Airlines, no understanding of what even happened, never mind how to fix it. The issues with supply chain, no idea of what's happening, never mind how to fix it. How about uh, the conversation of diesel? The only thing he knows is that the roads are racist. Yes, roads were built to create another side of the tracks, right? That 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 happened. I don't know how you're going to fix that. Tear down perfectly good roads? Interesting take. But on the other stuff, you really have no clue. In over his head is Pete Buttigieg. Oh, he should pay back for the flights, without question. It ain't your money, it's our money. You owe it back to us. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So while we watch all the madness playing out in the speaker's race, let's note that in Arizona, the loss from Republicans is complete. Complete and total. Attorney General goes to the Democrat. 
Chris Mays defeating the Republican Abraham Hamad. Is it Hamaday? Hamade? I have never I've never heard the name. I've only read it, so I don't know the pronunciation. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. What matters is Democrats have swept. Republicans have failed. And one should ask, is this all Trump? And the answer is not all. Not not all. But maybe enough. And you mix this with the whole conversation about Speaker and his full-throated endorsement of Kevin McCarthy and it not making a difference yesterday in all those House votes. Has uh, Trump lost his touch? People get very angry by this conversation. I don't know why. People are in charge until they're not. People are in charge until people become disillusioned. If you were to ask me whether or not Trump policies were valuable policies, I would say they are, and I'd like to see more of them. If you ask me if Trump's fight mechanism is valuable, I'll say to you absolutely positively and twice on Sunday. And as I've stated here, I want to see more people utilize it. I don't need the man because I'm not into idol worship, and I consider the idol worshipers creepy. The people who said, this was said about... uh, uh, DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Why should I vote for the clone when I could just vote for the real thing, meaning Trump? And I consider that to be pretty damn weird because that's idol worship. There should be 14 people that we can choose from. And now it's just uh, varying shades and gradations of what we think electability is and Uh, ways of presentation, other conversations, other policy prescriptions. How would you implement those policies? Me, I'd be much more on the policy side. I accept the fact that some people are on the emotion side, right? Uh, They're they're voting for a buddy and a pal and a friend. I'm not voting for a buddy, a pal, or a friend. Voting for a president of the United States, and I don't care if they like me or not. Just do what I need and get the hell out of my way. I never lose sight of the fact that I vote for Trump because of what Trump will do for me. I don't actually care about him. I think that's weird for people. I think they get confused uh, by that, but I'll, I'll say it again for the people in the cheap seats. I, I don't wish ill on the man. Like I, I don't wish ill on Joe Biden. I just don't give a damn about the guy. You think I care personally about Joe Biden? I care that Joe Biden does the things that I need so my life is better. After that, I don't care. You might think that that's cold or that's callous. I just think it's being clear. Ask yourself, do you care if I care? Let's say I'm president. Do you care if I care? I find that to be a very, very weird, weird thing, a a fetish of of sorts. You voted for me because policy-wise, I'm engaged in the things that you're engaged in, that matter to you. I think that much is very, very true. As long as I get that done, do you care if I got a good night's sleep? Do you care if I spent time with a puppy? Do, Do you care? I can't believe that you do, and I think if you were honest, you would say, no, no, I don't care. I don't care if you had a good night's sleep, and I don't care if you spent time with a puppy. I don't care if your steak was overdone, which you should, by the way, because an overdone steak, heresy, I tell yous. What you care is that I do the job you have asked me to do as your president. That's what you care about. 
And I accept that deal. I think that's, that is imperative. There's a difference between this idea of, of, of caring and, and, and this, this, this idea of, of emotion being everything. When you looked at exit polls going back to 2012, so a decade ago now, when Mitt Romney should have been president, remember when you liked Mitt Romney? Oh, those were, those were good times, I tell you. Good times. And one of the exit polls uh, was huge for Obama, cares about people like me. Cares about people like you? What the? What does that even mean? What does that even mean? I don't need him to care about me. I need the policies implemented that allow me to care for me. But I don't deny reality. People, man, they're into the touchy-feely. And when you hear the idea, care about people like me, it's it's a conversation of, of connected. This is the story of Western Pennsylvania. They knew that John Fetterman could not make a sentence, a complete sentence, could not speak the English language, that the stroke had totally affected him, and they still thought he was more connected to them than this out-of-towner, Mehmet Oz, this guy who may very well live in New Jersey, this guy who isn't connected to me at all. But again, I would argue that there's a difference between connected and cares. He understands what I'm looking for, right? Or she's uh, she understands what I'm looking for, right? Either way, candidate could be either one. So what I've come is 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 to understand that okay, it matters a little because people do want to be connected to the person they're voting for. But even that is different than the idea of idol worship. Oh my gosh, Trump is everything. You have to love Trump. I watched the idol worship of Barack Obama and I said, this is creepy gross. These people are freaks. The ones who made the video, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, it was Anthony Kiedis, uh, lead singer of Red Hot Chili Peppers. He, he vowed to serve Barack Hussein Obama. You did, you did what? No, no, the president serves you. You don't serve the president. What the hell's wrong with you? What the hell is wrong with you? You don't serve the president. I don't serve Trump. Trump serves me. Get me a Diet Coke and a burger from McDonald's and be damn well snappy about it. Oh, by the way, stop getting your steaks well done. That's not right. All right, that's a personal thing. That's a personal thing. I'm a medium rare guy on the strip. I'm a medium guy on the ribeye. I am who I am, my dear people, and I'm going to allow you your steak any way you choose it. I just want you to know that in the back of my head, yes, I am judging. I admit it. I admit it. I am clear about it. That's it. I don't I don't work for the president. I don't work for my congressperson. I don't. They work for me. I don't work for my mayor. The mayor works for me. I give you a nice parking space and I call you Mr. Mayor or Ms. Mayor, whatever you are. Uh, but I, I don't work for you. You work for me. Get that through your holy damn head. That's why I don't believe in idol worship. And I don't believe in any of these things about, oh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's Trump or no one. Screw that. That's weird. Besides, Trump has lost the Midas touch. Trump's candidates didn't do well. And there could be a whole series of reasons for it, but you have to include in that Trump. 
Arizona was a complete and total failure. Failure of epic, epic, massive, giant, butt-kicking proportions. Is anybody going to learn anything from this? Or are the people who are 24-7 Trump going to somehow tell me that if we had just done this, that, and the other, or how it's all Mitch McConnell's fault? He didn't put enough money into Blake Masters. He put a bunch of money into Blake Masters. Or certainly he put money into Senate races. Listen, you, you can blame Mitch McConnell for a lot of things, and, and trust me, I do. Mitch McConnell has a lot to answer for, especially with his uh, aligning himself with Joe Biden over the uh, omnibus spending and the infrastructure. I love cocaine! But I'm not going to blame him for every loss that took place. If you're not willing to put blame on Trump, well, then I don't think you're very serious about the thing. You're not. Now, one of the things that I don't listen to is this conversation of candidate quality. The candidate quality conversation doesn't work because the political left did not put up candidates of quality and they don't even have to. John Fetterman debated, lost the debate by every single measure, still became senator. Katie Hobbs is the governor of Arizona. She refused to debate. Wait till you see 2024 and the amount of people that don't debate. You watch. You watch the number of candidates that don't debate. They don't have to. Especially if you're on the left, you don't have to. Why? The press is going to carry your holy damn water. They're going to carry it for you. They're going to handle it for you. You can campaign like Joe Biden in 2020 in the basement. It's all you need to do. They'll take care of the rest. They'll do the rest of the work. Katie Hobbs is not a quality candidate. John Fetterman is not a quality candidate. You got a series of places where Democrats didn't run quality candidates and still ended up with with victory. Don't tell me about his candidate quality. It's not. That's not it. Now, there is, of course, a conversation that quality matters. You want to have smart people, good people, people who are capable, people who have ideas, people who know how to think, people who know history, etc. We should have a standard. But I won't be lectured to by the left about candidate quality when they put up these absolute failures. You You think Joe Biden's a candidate of quality? You think Joe Biden, who at times needs to be directed in where to go, a guy who wants to say, if you don't agree with me, you're you're a fascist, uh, is, is candidate quality? Did you catch this from Corinne Jean-Pierre saying that, look, 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 uh, sometimes it's the job of the president uh, to call people fascists? In the president's Christmas address, he called for Americans to reject the poison of politics. But last year, he compared his political opponents to segregationists, labeled them semi-fascist. Don't comments like that contribute to political poison? Look, the president is going to call out what he sees, right? That is his job as a president. Oh, okay. It's his job to call people semi-fascist. Holy moly, McCrap. 
That is something. That is something unique and special right there. That's not a quality guy. That's a bully punk. And that's exactly what Joe Biden has always been. But he is president. Donald Trump is not. And after watching the election and then watching his words about Kevin McCarthy and no one responding, yeah, um, he's, uh, he doesn't have the juice. He doesn't have the Midas touch. Now, that could change. Of course, that could change. And I think one would be a fool to write off um, uh, Donald Trump. You'd be out of your head to write off Donald Trump. A mistake, a mistake, a mistake, a mistake. But if there's ever been a moment where more people are going to say, yeah, I'm going to create distance, this is the moment. This is the moment. Lauren Boebert and Matt Gates are trying desperately to disagree with Trump but still stay connected to him. You can see the spin taking place. And, and they, they got to figure that one out. I'm not particularly mad at them, although I don't think they've handled the whole thing with McCarthy perfectly. Uh, I, I, shouldn't, I should say not even well. If you want to go against him, just have a candidate. You like you could have put together a plan. You could have done this. And you chose not to. You chose to make it much more about yourself. And I just, I think that you lost a moment. I, I really do. And I, I, I've discussed it. I'll get more into it. But there's no doubt that Trump does not have the touch he used to have. And there's no doubt that's going to affect. And there's no doubt that there are some of Trump's fingerprints, and a lot of Trump's fingerprints, in the absolute debacle that is Arizona. Republicans got trounced. That's the headline, and it's factual. Now the question is, what do we learn about it, learn from it, and what do we do about it? Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. I want to break free. I want to break free. I thought this was the best story from when I was away, you know, on vacation. But I'm still going through things. I'm checking things. I'm I'm studying. You can't stop. You, you have this gig. You can't stop. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. And it was about the media, which, you know, is always a, a story. And the media saying that Elon Musk's reputation is in jeopardy. Game over, man. Game over. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. The media thinks they can decide if someone's reputation is in jeopardy? What about their reputation? What about their reputation? This was this was CNBC. Hope. Give us some hope. I don't know. I'm still uh, holding out hope. I'm not, I'm not holding out hope. I, I think the man's still, you know, pretty smart. Genius, I don't, we can, we can, I'm sure people can debate the, the phrase genius, but, um, and maybe we can argue, I, we can't even argue, I think the Twitter thing was a mistake. He would say it was a mistake, but I don't know, do you get, do you get a mulligan here and there? Oh, good morning, and thank you for having me on. I hope you guys both had a, a good holiday. I mean, 
I think stories are dependent on the time frame in which we're looking at them, right? So right now he's for sure uh, not holding up uh, his end of the bargain and, and the promise that he had said that he would deliver for Twitter. But, you know, maybe a year from now when we talk, maybe the story will be very, very different. So I think uh, the story over the weekend from The Washington Post is is correct in saying that his reputation is in question. And I think the... The Washington Post is going to decide whether or not someone's reputation is in question? The Washington Post, owned by Jeff Bezos, is going to say that his reputation, and this was the quote, is in danger? Musk responded by the legacy media, uh, uh, responded by saying, there you go, Tony, the legacy media should worry about its reputation. We have only just begun. Media has nothing they can talk about. They're the ones without a reputation. Washington Post, New York Times, ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNBC, they're the ones who should be concerned. Thank goodness for talk radio. Reputation on fire. Hot damn, hot diggity dog. They're out of their heads. They're out of their heads, and they're, they're never so proud of their absolute disdain for you. Somehow they believe that you will believe that they still are people of quality. They're going to have to do a lot of work to get the reputation back. And they haven't started yet. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today.